Welcome to North London is Ours, the Arsenal and Spurs podcast brought to you by Andreas and me, Aaron. Enjoy. Mixed results for our North London clubs this weekend as Arsenal left it late to win at Brentford while Spurs suffered their third consecutive defeat at home to Aston Villa. Lots to dive into. Let's get into it. Hello. Good evening. Oh, you're sounding a little bit healthier this evening. Thank you very much, sir. I am feeling better. I am feeling better. I've been holding on to this uh, cold flu, whatever it's been, for like two weeks now. But I, uh, yeah, the huskiness from last week has gone. You sound disappointed. <laughs> no, I'm pleased. I'm pleased to hear it. I'm, I'm pleased you're well. I'm, I'm naturally disappointed for other reasons. Um... Yeah, I mean, I'm naturally buzzing, you know. The song <laughs> that just keeps going around my head is... Uh, down the drain. Can't scores again. <laughs> butchering, butchering a classic. Butchering. Oh, Do you know what? What a song for that. It's life. like um, it's like a bad cover. Do you know what I mean? You know when it's like you love a song and then you hear a cover version and it just butchers it. That that's that's my interpretation of it. But Mate, I, I love see it. Why you're <laughs> I love it. Do you know why I love it? Is because he's obviously, in an attacking sense, has massively underwhelmed, right? And the fact that he's got this song, there's almost like a bit of a joke about it. Do you know what I mean? It's kind of ironic, really. Um, But yeah, I thought his impact was great this weekend. But yeah, we'll get on to that anyway. Yeah, no, I can imagine it. I mean, regardless, it sounds like a great football fan chant that you guys must enjoy, whether you're in the stadium at home. It's got a nice ring to it. I'll give you that. Yeah, thank you very much. Well, I'll take that. <laughs> Should we tri- let's start with the uh, let's start with the Gooners then. Um, okay. Yeah, there's a negative tone to my voice. Obviously, <laughs> you're, you're top of the league, um, but a very hard fought, resilient win. A quality win in the end for you guys. How how did you see it overall? Yeah, I it a hard fought, a very very hard fought is exactly how I feel about it. Um, they were Brentford were excellent defensively, and um, they played that low block and they had that ten men behind the ball at times, and there was just so few spaces, um, and it just seemed as though. I didn't feel as though we get picked off on the counter attack. They didn't really have that threat, um, not not so much. But um, it just seemed so difficult to play against. It really, really did. And the fact that they came through with that decisive moment so late on just shows that real character. So yeah, I, I mean, I was delighted. And watching watching the game at home, I had my, my son came in for the last. I don't know, 20 minutes or so, and it was past his bedtime. And I said, look, you can stay up and watch. And I said, come on, come and sit on my lap. You're going to watch the last 20 minutes. You're going to be a good luck charm. And just to kind of keep his interest, I was saying to him, like, we're going to score. We're going to score, Oscar. We're going to score. And uh, and then eventually when it happened, just before it happened, I said to him, Saka's going to cross it for Havertz and he's going to score. And it, it exactly went that way. And he was hysterical with laughter. Just couldn't <laughs> believe it. So it was a real, like, I know it's at home, not in the stadium, but it was a real special moment. Um, so I think that's added to my kind of joy this weekend. But yeah, very, very hard fought. And I think I think we could, it could have been a draw. And I, if a draw would have been a fair result and I would have been happy with that as well, considering the way the game went. But delighted to come away with the three points because that's a tough place to go and get three points yeah i agree that i i uh i can't begrudge you a, a precious family moment um <laughs> so i give you that one and yeah yeah we, we obviously drew their first game of the season brentford and no mugs they've, they've struggled a bit more this season but they seem to be finding a bit a bit of form and um from what i yeah. saw of the game and i watched most of it to be fair it seems like they just, yeah, like you said, were in this low block, resilient, super tough to be, and you're sitting yeah. there thinking, yeah, you're going to drop points, and this is really positive. But <laughs> you know, you, you seem to be making a habit this season of of late goals. I, I can just mm. off the top of my head think of Declan Rice at home to Arsenal, late Trossard equaliser at Chelsea, and yeah. now this one, and it's it's kind of. You, look, you know my call on, on the title. I, I think you're, I think you're in with a real shot, and it's sort of ominous signs when you're grinding out these sorts of results. 
Yeah, I, it's we we messaged offline, didn't we, before we recorded the podcast, and just said about us. I think you said um, words to the effect of um, the way we're playing is is different now. Like we don't, but I, I it was really interesting. Arteta after the game, um, I noted it down what he what he said. Um, I think the interviewer after the game said um, was basically questioning him about saying that we're not at our free flowing best and and you know, in an attacking sense, we were underwhelming or words, words along that line. And he said, you, you cannot, he said, you cannot have a fluid game against that. And that for me was, you know, the concrete evidence that what I've kind of been alluding to, and I wasn't a hundred percent sure on it, but the fact that we're having to play very, very different this, this season, because teams know about, they know what our threat, know what we want to do and they are defending you know there was times there was for lots of this game it was 10 men behind the ball and uh, mm. they had uh, you know I think I mentioned to you last week a friend of mine was was at the game as an Arsenal fan in the home end with Brentford he he was saying that the and like you could see it on watching the game from home as well that the um, and Thomas Frank mentioned it in his uh, post-match interview where he was saying that they were doubling up and they kept Saka and Martinelli very, very quiet and they absolutely did. And that's more and more often the case these days. People are saying, oh, Saka's not been great, but it's another it's another assist that's won us the game and it's a delightful cross right at the end of the 89th minute. Um, and I, I think that trend of us, we're having to play different and we're having to be very, very patient and we just don't have the space in behind to be able to, you know, run at players and um, and be that free flowing and, you know, that rock and roll football that you mentioned is is not possible with what we're facing. So, yeah, yeah, it's um that goal <coughs> was to me and close to a replica of the goal you scored at Chelsea away when Trossard scored, where yeah. Saka, who like you say had been quiet all game, had been sort of doubled up on, struggled. He just needs that one moment of space to get his head up and he's sticking it on the money. And you know, it's yeah, it's you can't it's like you can't keep him down. He's he's always finding ways to influence games. The guy's quality is yeah is uh, yeah, undeniable and also just we spoke about squad depth again, but the likes of Trossard, the likes of Havertz, these guys are coming up with important contributions now and mm-hmm. even um was it Martinelli? Actually, Martinelli, that, that was another late goal you scored at home to City. Yeah. Havertz's impact on that goal action without just through the physicality yeah. and like Martinelli getting the drop down. It seems to be things are things are working that, you know, Arteta's sort of looked beyond just the sort of plan A. Mm. He's looked at over the course of a season, especially with Champions League, multiple games. He's looked at very, very different styles and it seems to be paying dividends at the moment right absolutely and it's the the games in the champions league in comparison to the league are so so different um if if i just look at martinelli in this game against brentford he was kind of shut down doubled up didn't have much at all barely got to the byline if if at all i, I don't think if if he did there was crosses that were stopped Whereas when we played Sevilla at home in a previous Champions League game, he ripped their right back to shreds over and over and over again. I actually, I genuinely felt sorry for the right back. Like, and I mean it. If you see the highlights of it, even on YouTube, it was he didn't actually get an assist, and the final ball was was lacking at times. But he honestly, he ripped this guy completely to bits. And in this game, completely different. You know, and the approach from Arsenal was was no different, but had to be adapted because of the way we're uh, what we're facing. So, yeah, like you said, Saka quiet, but the difference maker, and that's proved to be the case lots of times so far this season. Um, another thing was Ramsdale was a big talking point from the game because mm. he got his opportunity, and um, yeah, it it was I, I felt really sorry for him. I just I think the whole you know, the whole Arsenal world wanted him to do the, be the best player on the pitch and do well. Um, but he, he was really nervous. And the fans, again, my, my friend who was at the game, he said some of the stuff 
that he was hearing it from the Brentford fans was he he was like you really have to have some thick skin to be able to to deal with what he was what he was being um, verbally abused with. There was a, a chant I don't know if you heard it through the TV that was um, you're just a shit David Raya. <laughs> That's funny. Like and he can take banter and give it back as well. But um, yeah, he had a tough night, but grew into it and got better, um, which I was delighted for. Um, yeah, I mean, having fifteen thousand Brentford fans give or take on your back, like that's a that's a lot to deal with, isn't it? Yeah, no, definitely. And I, I've obviously seen the the moment sort of where he sort of dallied on the ball in his own six yard box, and I think Beckham Rice ended up clearing it off the line. Yeah. Um, but again, I think from my point of view, if I'm looking for negatives in your performance, which I'm really trying to find, <laughs> finding quite hard, I'd say that is one area of the goalkeeper. Right? I'd say from the outside looking in, and I know we've touched on this before, that sort of nervousness in the goalkeeper position has, has probably been sort of self-manufactured by by the decision mm. of the manager. But like you say, if he's if he's grown into the game, he's ultimately kept the clean sheet. Then there's not really been much impact there. But be interested to see what he does next game, whether he sticks with him or whether it just goes back to Raya Kanish. Oh, have you got a Champions League game in the week? I think you do actually. Yeah, I think we I think we're we've got Lons next. I don't know if that's this yeah. Wednesday or next week. I can't recall. I think I think it might be this week. Uh yeah, Wednesday twenty yeah, it is, yeah, this week on Wednesday. Um I, I think he'll go back. I think he'll go back. Yeah. I think David okay. Raya's our number one. And um, I think Ramsdale had to play in this game and unfortunately let himself down on, on a couple of occasions. There was one in the second half as well. He kind of went to throw the ball out. Um, you know, when goalkeepers do that lovely throw out, that kind of, they almost like, it's almost like a cricket bowl. Yeah, I know exactly it's, what you mean. Yeah. It's like, I love it when they do that. And it just, I don't know, it just speeds everything up and you usually a wide player gets hold of the ball and he kind of changed his mind and ended up almost like bouncing it into his his own face, really. Oh, and then I was like, oh, come on. You know, like you're sat there thinking, you know, everyone is like, come on, they want him to do well. They want him to take the chance. But when you think about it, you, as a goalkeeper, your ideal performance, if you're a goalkeeper, you want to be peppered and you want to save everything, right? Mm. But really what, Arteta wants and the rest of the team want is him to have nothing to do. That That's like, you know, that contrast. Whereas, you know, w- what Ramsdale really w- kind of wanted in this game was the opportunity to pull off some fantastic saves, keep a clean sheet, play out from the back as in the same way that David Rea does. And he, he kind of messed up on that side of it, um, but did grow into it and he did do well. Um, so, yeah, it was just an, an interesting talking point, that one. Um, another well, couple of like standout players for me. I th- I think I posted it on our social media recently about Zinchenko, and you mentioned about this squad depth and how players are fighting for their positions. And Zinchenko was one recently that was kind of coming under his place was coming under screw not not scrutiny but pressure from Tommy Asu, and um, he's really stepped up. He, I think the stats I posted he was like number one for aerial duels and tackles and possession and passes and stuff like that um and yesterday again i thought because he's he's not the tallest of fullbacks he's not a tommy asu ben white six foot two six foot three you know and he was i don't think he lost a header yesterday and in possession he was great and what i really loved is he lost possession he turned the wrong way and the ball nicked in and then it was his clearance off the line right so even though he messed up in possession, he then was absolutely determined and then managed to, the second of two goal line clearances um, to keep the clean sheet. And I thought he was fantastic yesterday, Zinchenko. Um, and ironically, if he doesn't make that goal line clearance, then Aaron Ramsdale probably pulls off a, a, a brilliant save because he's right behind it. And that's the kind of moment he would have wanted in the game. You know, like a, a really good save that is on the highlight reels and it's something that sticks in the mind, but, you know, it wasn't to be for him. That's an interesting yeah. point because I know the, the incident you're talking about at that moment. And when I watch the replay, I actually think if Zinchenko doesn't get it, I actually think that ball's going to somehow go over the line. I think yeah. Ramsdale, that was my yeah impression. Was I, I, I actually mm. think that was a vital interception thinking about it because 
Ramsdale had flung himself, and I think he would have got to the ball, but he was quite far back in the goal because he'd sprung so far. Yeah, yeah. yeah you could be right. It's an interesting. I, I just thought, oh, it's a, it's a shame Ramsdale couldn't make that save instead. That, was, but yeah, you could be right. It could have been futile his efforts. So, so, so in essence, yeah. it's a story. It's a story, yes, effectively, of two crucial off the line clearances from your side to keep Brentford out, and then ultimately being able to unlock the door when it mattered to secure the win. It's that that simple, right? From yeah, 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 and it's that old kind of um, not being that great, but still managing to win. You know, that's thrown around, isn't it, with with teams in the past, like United not being at their best and still just churning out the three points and going, (coughs) excuse me, going away and winning games still. Um, I don't know how much truth there is to that, but it does seem like it's a a sign of champions and it's not, not champions, but a sign of winners. But yeah, oh, only 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 time to tell with that one. Well, yeah, and I think I, I think I've seen this. I think the win uh, sort of wraps up Arteta's first two hundred games in charge, and I think I'm right in saying he's got the most wins of of any manager in Arsenal history after two hundred games. Yeah, after two hundred, he uh, uh, the numbers here. He's two hundred matches, one hundred sixteen wins compared to Arsene Wenger is one hundred eleven. He's got less draws, um, and but more losses. So okay. it's more goals and more goals against. So it's kind of depends how you look at it, really. If you just pick out the wins, you you know it seems more positive. But you got to remember the context there as well. Arsene Wenger inherited David Seaman, um, Tony Adams, Martin Keown, Lee Dixon, Nigel Winterburn, and then <laughs> do you know what I mean? That's a hell of a team to a back line to to come into. Um, Mikel Arteta had squad run Mustafi. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like, there's there's levels to this, right? So yeah, I, I think it's, I think he's made a really good start, and it's just crazy to still think that this is only his first job. Yeah, it's so, quite mad. How many? Remind me how many years he's been in position? Because obviously, from a Spurs perspective, I'm looking at it thinking, how many years has it taken for a man to come in and turn the club's fortunes to this point where you're thinking you're genuine title contenders? Is it five, six, seven? I can't even remember. No, this is his fourth. Fourth, so four years. Fourth, yeah. This is his fourth year, I'm sure. So you, you could even argue, actually, I mean, you were serious contenders <coughs> last year. So ultimately, within three years, he's been able to, I'd say, overhaul a squad, introduce new talent from the academy, the likes of Saka, um, Makes yeah, um, and and ultimately build and create a bit of a winning machine. Um, so that, I mean, just coming at it from a Spurs point of view, it's encouraging, I suppose, <laughs> to see that that like, it can be done in in relatively short periods of time. Obviously, everyone wants success immediately, and I think we all remember when when Arteta was under a lot of pressure in his first season or two. Yeah. Um, but if you can sort of stem that tide. Um, and just keep keep persisting with the plan, then ultimately the fruits of your labour are going to show, and that seems to be what's happening with you. And I think you're a point clear now, right? Yeah, one point clear at the top, and that's not really something that I was thinking about. That, that you know, until the game came around, it was like, oh, actually, we could go top with if results go the way we need them to. Um, and it's a, it's 13 games; it's a nice place to be, but um, it only matters who's there at the end, right? Um, and we were there a lot of the time last season and, and still finished second. So, um, yeah, long, long way to go. So I'm not going to get carried away. But it's, um, yeah, it's been it's been a kind of understated, but um, very, very positive start, I think. Yeah, very I fun. think I think you almost have to break the season into thirds. And obviously this game is effectively, well, we're, back, we're back effectively a third of the, of the way through the season or, or near mm. enough. Yeah, um, and it's always a case of just jockeying for position. It's almost like a horse race, isn't it? Who's going to take yeah. the early lead, come back? And um, it's funny because with yourselves, with Man City, and with Liverpool, obviously the top three, it's like what you just said that no one seems to have set the world alight. Everyone's just ticking along, picking up their wins, and it does feel like. Yeah, almost like in a hundred meter race, it's like we're in the first twenty five meters or, or mm. whatever a third is <laughs> of um, or thirty three meters, whatever. Um, and it, there's a long, long way to go. So it's fascinating. You guys are just um, you're there, and it'll be yeah. interesting to see where you're at. 
in another yeah. 13 games time there's a there's a lot of like you said there's a lot of clubs there and you look at the way people have improved like Liverpool just revamped that midfield completely with some very good players Premier League proven as well with players like McAllister um, and that Dominic Sabosla is coming and been excellent as well um, yeah very very good um, so yeah I I think it could be it, right if you know if this trend carries on it's going to be Probably one of the tightest Premier League races in a in in a while between not just two clubs but a, and three three clubs or even four if other teams can get their act together, you know. Um, well, the likes of Villa seems to be doing quite well. Yeah, just yeah. just one one last thing. De- Declan Rice was given man of the match. I thought he was excellent in the game, but um, um, I don't. One player that really stood out for me, and I just feel like. Since he didn't start at the beginning of the season as we tried a different kind of formation, but Gabriel uh, alongside Saliba yesterday was just immense. He's just, um, you know, the the winger Brian and Bumo, I'm not sure how to pronounce his name. He's, um, he's very far, uh, not very, he's quite quick, but he's very, very strong um, and a really tricky winger. But Gabriel yesterday was just too big too fast, too strong, too decisive and just completely dominant yesterday. And I just feel like this guy is 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 peaking right right now. I just yesterday he just stood out for me. I was like, goodness me, that Lichenko and him yesterday was so strong that Brian Brian and Buemo got nothing yesterday. And he's a vet, he's he's been excellent so far this season for Brentford. I just wanted to shout him out as well. Massively impressed with Gabriel, a real a real um, soldier and real battler for us. Um, who's been excellent? Yeah, that's fair. I mean, and, and Bromo's. I think he's a quality player. I actually think he's a very underrated player in the league. It has um, has he got the biggest blunder in the league? <laughs> Would you like to explain to some listeners that maybe don't understand what a bunda is? <laughs> bunda is your your gluteus maximus, and he's he's barrel chested and strong. But if he gets that ass in the way, I don't think many people get the ball off him. And I don't know. I, I, you occasionally used to play against players like that, and you just think this guy is just too big there, and I can't. You can't get around them. They get that there, it, you're done. Like it's you just can't get around the bunda. The bigger the the big, I would go as far as saying the bigger the bunda, the better the player. <laughs> but I, I do. I, I think there is something there. Raheem Sterling's the same. When he gets that that bum of his in the way, he's he's slight, but he's so strong. If he gets that there, he, he's he, he's. He's a tough player to knock off the ball as well. Maybe there's something in this. Maybe this is Maybe. the next way that uh, football's going. Big bundas. I mean, <laughs> I, I can speak. I can speak of personal stories about this, right? Because I remember when we were down, when I was playing back in the day, you'd throw the big, the big lad up towards the end, long ball, and always the manager. I remember him screaming at me, Andy. Stick your fucking arse out, mate. <laughs> and it's a nightmare. It's a nightmare to get around because it's, you make yourself awkward and you just can't. Yeah, you're trying to nip a, nip him mm. with a little, you know, nip around the front. You can't get to it. Yeah. Um, I think I think there's a lot behind it. Literally. <laughs> <laughs> That's very good. Yeah, I think that, that wasn't intentional, but I do think there is something there, mate. But yeah. Um. So, Spurs. Yes. Just uh, really for me. I wanted to kind of ask the question. This is three straight defeats. Yeah. Spurs have to be careful. And how are you feeling about it? Um, we do need to be careful. Not good. Um, three on the spin. Obviously, I mentioned a few a few podcast episodes ago that we had these seven games coming up that I thought were going to be seen as season-defining. Yeah, we've lost the first three of those. We go to City away in our next game, um, and we are depleted. Now that's the negative side of it: three losses, and in each of those games, we've actually been in the lead. Um, home to Chelsea, yeah. we went one 0 up. We're playing great first twenty minutes. Wolves, which I think was probably one of our poorer performances of the season, we took an early lead. 
And again today, I mean, I don't know if you managed to watch the game, but yeah, I thought we were excellent for long periods and some of the football was really good. I mean, we created so many chances, especially in the first half. We could have been two, three up quite comfortably. So there's a lot of positives in that from an attacking sense, we're making chances. We are still scoring goals. We're holding the game and, and lead. But, and this is where I think... We've got to be honest as Spurs fans. Just currently, we cannot be com- directly comparing ourselves to the likes of Arsenal, which pains me to say. But we are, if we, like, your starting 11, your first choice starting 11, and our first choice starting 11, I think we'd go and have a great game. And we pretty much saw that in the North London derby. It's relatively even. Yeah, I agree. But the second you start to pick up a couple of injuries or suspensions, as we've had, I mean, our injury list is, is genuinely amongst the worst I think I've ever known. Um, and we have just not got the personnel and the depth to be able to live with this. And today, I think everyone that probably watched that game is probably thinking, you can't call it a smash and grab from Villa because they still had a few good chances. But, you know, you're hard pressed to say we deserve to lose the game. Yeah, um, I, I think uh, my my feeling was that a draw would have been fairly a fair result, I think. And and Spurs, you could argue that deserved the three points as well, possibly. Yeah, it's a, it's a frustrating one. The thing is, I kind of called it. We both sort of predicted a Villa win, mm. which it's never nice sort of going against your own team. But I actually think I said a couple of podcast episodes ago, I can see Ollie Watkins causing us all sorts of problems <laughs> with the line and without our front two, with our uh, regular centre half pairing. Yeah, and it's kind of how it turned out. Two one was just how I saw the game. Um, this putting in some stats there. You said about like the the you were very like really really good. Like the possession, sixty two percent. That's a good a good amount of possession. Eighteen shots with eight on target. So it does. You know the, the, the what you saw was backed up by the numbers. Yeah, and and even then you you look at the Kulusevski chance where he's, he's oh. hit the post. I mean, he's got to score. Once he's cut back, I don't yeah. understand how he's missed. It's, it's it's a poor miss, I think. I think that's very poor. And he's it's not like he's very technically good as well. Do you know what I mean? Like you know, some some wingers they're 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 a bit erratic with their finishing. Um, he he's not. He's technically very secure, and you, you'd fancy him a hundred percent. I can't believe he he would work there. I suppose that that's the only criticism I can have of Kulisevsky, who I think is is developing into an excellent player, and he's still so young. I think he's like early twenties, but mm. he if he can start adding numbers now to his game, then you're talking about a, you know a really top top quality sort of winger. But at the minute, he's not getting in on the sort of goals and assists tallies that we need for him, particularly at this time where we are struggling from a numbers point of view and. His all-round game is so good. He, he carries the ball. He drives us up the field. But we just need him to start really impacting like, where it really matters in terms of goals and assists now. Yeah, um, yeah, I agree. Do, do you think, um, do you put the Ben Davies header, that header chance, I think it's from a corner, in the same, you know, he should score as well? I think it's a great chance, to be honest. Yeah, I mean, sort of unchallenged. It didn't seem like he was overly stretching to get there. Mm. Uh, maybe he saw it a bit late. I don't know how you saw that one, but for me, I mean, there's just so many chances in the game that I can speak to. But mm. I, yeah, I think if he heads, it's classic, isn't it? Head down, it's got to be much tough, much more difficult for the the goalkeeper if you had the ball down at that point. And he, like you said, he wasn't stretching to. It wasn't like it was a really high above him, and he's having to get couldn't get above it. I think yeah, I think he has to do better there. But he hasn't had that many minutes. Maybe it's that that kind of rustiness. Yeah, I, th- I think so, and, and there's probably two two key things I want to I want to touch on as well. Like for me, the the Matty Cash tackle on Bentancourt, which now looks to have caused him another serious injury from from the looks of things. So he's, yeah. Bentancourt's obviously just come back from however many months out, ten months out with a cruciate. That's his first start for us, and I just it's a, it's an awkward one because the the tackle is not so bad that you think that's a red card. It's not a red card. But it's a very unnecessarily heavy tackle. And he's done him, basically. And by all accounts, he's looking like he's just suffered quite a bad ankle injury at a time when, and I, you know, the first 20 minutes, I thought Bentancor was unbelievable. And we realised sort of quite quickly what we've been missing with him. It was Bentancor so, that played Kulusevski in, if I remember correctly, wasn't it? 
Um, For that chance. Yes, I believe so. I mean, he was just driving with the ball, playing through balls. It was so good to have him in there. And we had um, we had three players in our midfield making their first starts of the season in Lo in Bentancourt and in Brian Gill. And I thought Lo and Bentancourt in particular in the middle seemed to gel really quickly and were just sort of fundamental to us starting the game so well. Yeah. Um, and the Bentancourt injury is, is really is a really frustrating one for everyone, for him especially, but for the team because he like we need we need his not just bodies but his quality. Um, mm. Obviously, Basuma was out today with a suspension. He'll be back for City. Um, but yeah, I hope that's not a serious one. But I just thought it was an unnecessarily hard tackle from Matty Cash, and um, I think the Spurs players were quite quick to sort of go up to him and sort of make a point of how unnecessary it was because you, you know what it's like. You've seen your teammates struggle for a long-term injury for how long, mm. and then to be out on the sidelines again, it's just you, you, they can almost feel his pain. Yeah, yeah, it, it, yeah. You, there's so much empathy there from the other players, isn't it? It's almost like you, they've been tackled themselves. Yeah, it's it's unnecessary, but so there's that. So we've lost another body in Bentancourt, which is which is a huge blow. Mm. And it's... I mean, for us now, we cannot get Romero back quick enough. So he's got one game left for his ban, which is at City, mm. um, and then he's back. And we just need him patched up because, you know, I thought Eric Dyer was going to start at centre half with Ben Davis, and he obviously ended up going for Emerson Royale instead and dropping Dyer to the bench. But yeah. just the lack of quality in that position that the 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 golf in quality from Van der Ven and Romero to Davis and Dyer or Davis and Royal at that position is just so so fundamentally huge yeah. that we we can't cope. Yeah, I, I think um, that's I think that's completely fair. The point you you know we say about the three defeats on the bounce, but then the context is this significant injury list, isn't it? And like you said as well, your and I think we've discussed this in the past that with your on your kind of trajectory, on your path to wherever that may be or whatever the club are aiming for, you're, you're, you're not quite there in terms of the squad depth. But I, I think that's your next, your next step, isn't it? Can you bring in more quality players and get rid of more of the dead wood? We've spoken about that in the past, haven't we? Yeah, and it's, it's what I was so interested earlier in, in this conversation to ask about the timeline for Arteta to get to a point where you guys feel you've got a, a strong, complete squad because... I, I look at our squad and I think going forward, we're exciting and we're excellent, but we don't have a plan B. So, for example, you've brought in Habits as more of a physical presence mm. as that plan B. Bar running in behind with Son and even Richarlison, another one who's injured, but who, you know my opinions on him so far. <laughs> yes. but he's still a very similar type of player. So, so we where we struggle is we don't have... Uh, like a mode to change up a game when we need to mm. um, or if we're struggling in a tight game like you did at Brentford we can only carry on playing a certain way and part of it is definitely the squad depth and I think we, we're at least two three, two or three windows of top quality work to get us in a position where maybe that's different Yeah. Um, but I suppose all the positivity around Postacoglu, and I still stand by it, it's been an incredible start for us. We play great football, he's transformed the club. I don't want to criticise the guy, but if I had to say one thing that is both a positive and a concern, is that he's so <laughs> rigid, so, so rigid in his want to play a very specific style of football. Yeah. And I just wonder whether, as a result of that, we're forgetting about things like game management and when to slow it down, when to play quick. Because at the minute, we're making a lot of sort of erratic decisions, particularly in the defensive area. And we saw it sort of come to light against Chelsea where we look a bit frantic and, and out of control and it's leading to us making really erratic decisions. Yeah. Um, so that's, that's a slight concern. But again, was it 13 games in? Yeah. I'm happy overall, but as a chance, we could slide now. Yeah, that that's the thing is that you have to be careful if you... You know, a few more defeats like this, and then your the picture changes. From can we get like Europe and top four? You're you're no longer looking at top four, and it's the rest then pull away, isn't it? It's so. But if you haven't got those bodies to to call upon because of the injuries, then you, you're looking for players that played today. You know, like your Brian Gills, your Lascelles to step up and make that that difference, right? 
Hundred percent, yeah. And and I think you mentioned sort of Europa spots or Champions League spots. We we need to be honest and realistic. The the first ten games sort of masked the reality of the situation where we overperformed. And for us this season it should not be about getting Europe, getting top four, aiming to challenge for the title. This is all about getting our identity back and way of playing and a system and building the players again and recruiting well. Mm. And if we can go on a cup run, great. But that's what it has to be about for us this season because I've said this before, the, the past three seasons have been so bad across every aspect of the club and, and the effect it's had. The personnel we've still, we've still got on our books that need to be shifted. Um, so I think it's one of those It's one of those where you, you look at the potential we have and when we're clicking and we're firing, we look really, really good. And we've also had the wins to back it up sort of early in the season. But now I'm looking at it thinking, OK, we're going for a really tough spell, both in terms of results and in terms of injuries. And we kind of need a bit of realism here. We're not we're not in your league at the moment, although it pains me to say it. What we need to do is just, first of all, go to City next week and just survive. <laughs> um, because I think, you know, with our first choice, eleven. I'd say we've got a chance of getting a result. Yeah. But now I think it's brought as close to an impossibility as possible that we can get a win there next week. I think it's very, very likely we're going to lose the game with our defensive situation. Yeah, I can't disagree there. I mean, you look at Haaland against what our centre-half pairing will be and it honestly, mate, it's a very scary prospect. <laughs> yeah, he's, what did he just get his 50th goal this weekend? In 48 yeah. games? Yeah, he he might be on 53 next week because <laughs> if he gets chances like you guys give away he, he you know seven eight times out of ten that guy's scoring right he's just a machine yeah and you know what though again it's one of these where as football fans and especially when we're like I'm talking to an Arsenal fan you're talking to a Spurs fan there's a bit of pride here and I don't want to just you know say we have to look at the long term but I really feel like I need to put my pride to the side and just accept we might go and get spanked next week. But actually, hopefully, in the long term, sticking to principles and the players just becoming more familiar with it, in spite of whoever's in there, in the long term, is hopefully going to stand us in good stead. Yeah, um, and that, that, that's what Andrew's come out and said he, as well post-match, hasn't it? That he we have to stick to the way that he wants to play. And stick to, yeah. Yeah, so I don't, think, I don't think there'll be anything different from him. No, which is... Makes for a great game. Yeah, yeah. City. At least you know we're going to go there and not sit back. Yeah, but you, historically you do game. well there. You do very well against them. So mm-hmm. you never know. Never. Know. Yeah, you know, you never know. So, um, so yeah, all things considered, I think the Chelsea like today, I can accept the defeat today because we played well and we approached the game in the right way, yeah. in spite of being limited of numbers. The game that I'm convinced we're going to look back on at the end of this season and say what was. What might have been the turning point? We're always going to look back to that Chelsea game because of the players we lost, the suspensions we picked up, the Pochettino factor, the fact that we got lost 4-1, the nine men, and it does feel like a really significant moment in the season. Um, it's actually said, quite mad. Like When you start listing all those things out, the scoreline is almost <laughs> the thing that you forget the most, isn't it? Because it wasn't a 4-1 game, was it, really? You know, I mean, like they. I know that that sounds quite crazy to say that, but we we know why that result ended up as a four-one is because um, Tottenham imploded and just made all their own mistakes and errors and injuries. Well, played a part as well, but it wasn't like Chelsea deserved that to win that four-one based on their performance, no. was it? You know, the, it, it, the, if you watch the first fifteen minutes of that game, you probably thought. And then and then paused it and said, "How does this game end?" I think most people would say, "Oh, Spurs four one, Spurs three 0 It's quite mad. Mm. And like you said, I think that was pivotal. That's that's impacted clearly, and that impact is still being felt now. <clears throat> yeah, and, and it will be through to at least January because <laughs> the players we we lost to long term injuries in that game. But look, mm. it is what it is, and you know the players might come out and show a different side. We we might go and get a result at City, and things can turn quickly. We all know what football's like, but yeah. I'd say. At this point, I think we've got who have we got? City away, West Ham home, Newcastle home. Now, I mean, 
you, there's a it's not unfath- <laughs> it's not unfathomable that you could be coming out with six defeats on the bounce but that's very negative thinking and i, I, t- I tend to be more of a pop- uh, an optimist yeah. um almost said so, pessimist there i heard you yeah slip <laughs> of the tongue yeah um so yeah look who knows i don't want to get too far ahead of ourselves yeah. but i think it is important that i say it outright we recognise, or I recognise, we have to be realistic. We're not in a tie to race. I think, even though technically we're still four points off you guys, which is you know nothing really over the course of a season. Yeah, I think our, our circumstances dictate that we just need to be getting back to basics, trying to grind out a few results and just see where we can get to and just build that identity. But um, that, yeah, that, there's there's a gulf in the squads between our two respective clubs, and I think. Yeah. It's that reason that is why you can credibly challenge for the title and, and we frankly don't don't really know where we're gonna end up. And I think that's the reality, sadly, from a Spurs fan point of view. Yeah. and I think with January approaching that might be something where you know, you invested quite well in the summer and that might be something that they're planning towards now as well. Because, you know, it's it's very evident, isn't it, that you're the drop off is like you said, Van de Ven, Romero down to Royale and Davis is is not good enough if you want Champions League football and beyond. Um, that's it. I mean, yeah, I, I think that's it. Nail on the head. So, yeah. um, just, so, just yeah, we... a couple of things from the game, though, Andy. How, um, Vicario was could he have done better with the Watkins goal? Do you think, or am I being harsh? Do you know, that's a weird one, right? Because. <laughs> It crossed my mind that the ball was not exactly in the corner. Yeah, um, it kind of looks central, right? Ish. Yeah, central. Yeah, he, he um he had a couple of moments today. There was a shot from oh, what's his name, Leon Bailey, and I think he tipped it onto the post, but he kind of got a bit lucky. It sort of squirmed under him. Yes, and, he was, and it could have re- one of those ones that rebounded back off of him and gone in, kind of thing. Yeah, he was a yeah. bit fortunate with that one. I mean, the goal possibly. I, my first thought was, oh, that wasn't in the corner. Mm. But uh, I don't know. I feel like because he wasn't even close to it, I feel like I almost can't, <laughs> yeah. I can't hammer him for it. I think, um, I think the other thing with that is that Ollie Watkins takes that very quickly, doesn't he? Very early. It's one touch and then he, he he's already shot pretty much straight away afterwards, hasn't he? So perhaps Vicario hadn't quite set himself. I don't know. Um, yeah, that's a good call. It was a, it was a quality finish, like you say, just quick touch, bang, just caught him off guard. Yeah. Um, one um one bit of quality that I do want to pay reference to is that Douglas Louise set piece. Oh, for the, what a ball for the header! An unbelievable. Yeah. What's yeah. the equaliser? Yeah. He was so far out as well. I mean, like, that I don't wasn't know about like edge of the box was it? This was a good forty-five yards away, wasn't it? Like. You know, he, yeah, and it just seemed to carry on going, didn't it? Yeah, like, yeah. I don't know. I know I can't whip a ball like that. I know you've got far sort of more cultured right foot than me, but even then, 45 yards, that's that's top quality to be sticking it in that area at that pace from that far out. Yeah, there's, if you look back in Premier League history, there's not many players that could do that. I'm thinking Beckham, Patrick Berger, maybe, Lauren Robert. <laughs> Where's that one going? Pat, do you remember Patrick Berger? What a player! Hell of a left foot. But do you know what I mean? Like they could, lit, you know, the cro- crosses any any way down the left or right hand side from those players. Berger and for for younger listeners was a left sided player, and Lauren Robert as well. But that, yeah, that was far out. That was, um, and it was a hell of a header as well, wasn't it? From Pau Torres, credit where it's due. He just floated onto that and just stuck it in the top corner. It was a good yeah. goal. And I think that, that that's it right on half time as well. I, I think from our point of view, the way we were playing, if we'd have got to half time one nil, mm. it could have been a very sort of different second half where they've had to come out and I could see us hurting them. But look, is what it is. Yeah. And uh yeah, as as suspected, I think we both predicted it this week that Arsenal would win and, and Spurs would, would unfortunately lose. Um we did. And I think next week <laughs> we go to City and you're at home to Wolves we are yeah. um, so it's <laughs> I don't want to be too I don't want to sound too downbeat but it's very possible we might both get our predictions right again next week in some, at least from a results standpoint <laughs> I mean uh, I yeah I, I don't like we said about the City game I don't see anything apart from a City win there 
considering the circumstance. They don't seem to have that many injuries. I think they've got De Bruyne might even be coming back for that one, potentially. Um, Fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> That's what you need, right? <laughs> Kevin! <laughs> Uh, he could be yeah he could be back and that'll be yeah that's not good news for anybody Um, but yeah um, I don't know I'd need to look a little bit more into to Wolves after you know they've been that win against you guys they seem to be uh, you know that's not a foregone conclusion but we are at home and we're getting players back as well like uh, Gabriel Jesus ahead of schedule didn't expect him to be back so soon Um. So yeah, we're yeah, it, it's it's looking positive. So yeah, I, would... I mean, Wolves are all right, by the way, and I'm not just saying this. Yeah. Beat us. They've obviously beaten City at home as well. I remember first yes, game of the yeah. season they they were they dominated Man United. I think they yeah. lost, but they dominated. And I think Gary, I really like Gary O'Neill what he's doing. I think one thing I noticed last week, and I don't know if it was just because they sensed an opportunity against us, but. They were fighting to the very last whistle. Um, I don't think they're the sort of team that are just going to roll over, but I, I just expect you to have a bit too much quality for them, in truth. I hope you're right, mate, but it's, it's not going to be an easy one, that's for sure. They're, um, I think I, I went to Arsenal Wolves at the end of last season. I think it was the final final game of the season, and it was a 5 0 win with Xhaka scoring a couple of goals, and they were awful. Um, they were really bad. It had that end of season vibe to it, but. Um, yeah, this game will be very different because there's they've got a lot of threat, um, and hopefully Pedro Neto's still out. He's he's I think he's the lead in assists um, in the Premier League this season. So luck, he's still out. That'll be good because um, and he's the quickest player in the Premier League as well. This I think so far the highest uh, speed recorded in the the league this year. Um, oh, didn't know that. Good stat. Yeah. <clears throat> I thought we might see Gabriel Martinelli or Van de Ven on that 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 list. I think I posted that on our socials, but neither of them were in the top five. I was quite surprised. Yeah, they surprised. I, I, I mm. sometimes don't understand how they clock these. Yeah, because they're always a bit a bit suspect when you look at the players that are up there. I don't know. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's a strange one because I I always used to think. Whenever I saw something like that, I'd think it has to be Theo Walcott. <laughs> like it has to be. There's no, one, <laughs> yeah. there's no one quicker than him. And uh, and then they, yeah. Then it was Hector Bellerin was quite quick at one point. It was like, um, and then Traore, Adama Traore is another one. Rapid, yeah. But yeah, I thought Van der Ven with his uh, with his recovery pace that he likes might be the one. But well, um, just just on that which is an interesting point there's been a lot of talk in the news this week I'm not sure if you've seen it around injuries to players and in particular hamstring injuries and how there's been like a like a 20% increase in the number of hamstring injuries this season um, and they're basically linking that to the number of games and the extra games and international breaks that are having to be faced by all the players so Van der Ven's one was obviously a serious hamstring injury and just injuries in general I mean, you've suffered from them this season. We're, we're suffering from them. But I do have, and I know we've touched on this before, I do think that footballers are playing far too many games and that this is why the squad is so important because players are cracking now. There's just the level the game is being played at. These guys are, are pounding their bodies. And, I, and it's a whole topic for another for another time, perhaps. But um, I, I expect this sort of uh, trend of, of increased injuries to, to persist throughout the season. Yeah, so do I. I really do. There's, I, I don't think we've known anything like it really in the past, have we? And it's every, it's every club, isn't it? You know, you look at Newcastle; they're really depleted. Um, Chelsea have been struggling from it. Um, Real Madrid, I think I mentioned their injury list recently as well. That's really bad. Um, yeah, it's it's, it's de- there's definitely something. There's a correlation there for sure. And twenty percent increase is massive, isn't it? Yeah, I, I think it was that. I'm, I might have been wrong, but it's been it's been an increase, and um, yeah. yeah, it's just one one to keep an eye on, um, which may may well benefit the likes of of yourselves. I think this is why I don't think Liverpool will end up winning the league. I think maybe from a depth perspective, they might just come short. But I think mm. I think it's going to be your city, and whoever can can manage that the best ultimately is going to win the league. In my my humble opinion, and mm. I suppose with that in mind, and, and to wrap things up. Who are you rooting for next week when Manchester City take on the might of Tottenham Hotspur at the Etihad Stadium? Oh, 
put you on the spot. That there. is that is awful. That is what a conundrum. Um, <laughs> I really don't know. I never want a Spurs win, but I just hate City as well. I hate the. I hate the way it's been done with the money, etc., and the 115 charges that are going to destroy them soon. I keep saying this, don't I, in podcasts? <laughs> One day it's going to come true, and I'm going to be like, I told you. Um, do you know what I would go for? I'd need to look at the, the the implications for the league table, That's and that's who I'd go for. So yeah. if we're top and we win and City drop points because they're closest to us, then I'd rather a Spurs win. Interesting. Yeah. Well, that, whatever, would you, that would put you four points clear right at that stage, if that's how yeah. it turns out. Well, I can't see that happening, unfortunately. <coughs> so, yeah. Did you we want shall. to say um, a final word on the sad passing of Terry Venables today with Tottenham legend, former manager? Yeah, I think that's a nice way to end it. Yeah, Terry Venables, legend of the game, not just for Spurs. But all he achieved in his club career, obviously Barcelona as well. He was our manager when we won the '91 FA Cup, and probably most most well known, sort of in England really for his Euro '96 team. I know you've mentioned in the past, and mm. I'm with you on this. That was the first big international tournament that we were like aware of and gripped by, and him and and that team were just a joy to watch. So I think it's a loss to football in general, and uh, R.I.P. Terry Venables. Yeah, I, I agree, mate. It's, it was really sad, um, really sad news. Not, I don't have any ill feelings towards him as an Arsenal fan. It was before my time. Well, yeah, I suppose before my time, I was, I was still too young when he was manager. Um, but yeah, Euro 96 was massive for me. That I have so many vivid memories of that that tournament and the, the, the team, Alan Shearer up front and Manaman and Gaza. I adored watching Gaza and the fact that Terry Venables was the manager that put that team together and gave us that that hope and that that fun tournament. It was it was amazing for me. So I'm in debt to him for helping me fall in love with international football at that stage. Um, yeah, I mean, eight is a good innings ish, isn't it? Um, but yeah, sad news. Um, so yeah, rest in peace, Terry Venables. Rest in peace, Terry Venables, and. Um... Yeah, I think that's a, a nice a nice way to end it, mate. And uh, we will be catching up next Sunday, as yep. per usual, post the Super Sunday match, which is City City Spurs at four thirty on the Sunday. So we'll we'll know what Arsenal have done on the Saturday, um, and that that will be the final game of the weekend, pretty much. So hopefully yep. a, a blockbuster episode to look forward to next week. Okay, I'll see you then. It's been a pleasure as always. Thank Same you. Mate. Goodbye, mate. Bye-bye. Bye bye.